how should I react to a relative who decides to leave Yiddishkeit? How should I react to a relative who decides to leave Yiddishkeit? You know, they tell a story about one of the G'daylim who had a very, very great financial loss. He went bankrupt. And they wanted to tell him this terrible news. But they were afraid how he would react. So they went over to him and they said to him, how do you tell somebody who's had a great financial loss about that financial loss in a way that he should be able to receive it? So this God will be soul says, you're talking about Ashkoch HaPratis, talking about talking in Hashem, you're talking about that everything that happens Hashem does and Hashem is good, sometimes we don't understand, but there's always a cheshben. And this God will be soul gave a whole way of explaining to somebody who has lost a lot of money, how he should approach it in a constructive way with the understanding that uh, David is running the world and there certainly is a plan and he should accept it. And after this, God will be Saul gave this whole explanation. They told him that uh, he should tell the explanation to himself. He chalished, he fainted. So when he was revived, they asked him, I don't understand, you just gave the, the, the you know, all the rules, the whole instruction manual to how a person should react when they lose a lot of money, all of their money. And you explained it so well, and you gave a whole derech and musr, and then when you found that it was you, it, didn't, it wasn't sufficient, you fainted. This is one of those questions that are so emotionally charged that until the person is actually there, he doesn't even know how it feels. How should he react to, to a relative that left Yiddishkeit is, uh, is like a person losing all of his money. And it's very, very difficult to, to, to deal with, to accept and to respond to in a healthy and in a constructive way, in a proper way. I read the question and I sat here thinking, should I answer it, should I not answer it, how should I answer it? And I thought, if you wanted to speak about it from a psychological perspective, take religion out of it, what would be a psychological perspective? Let's say you have a friend or friends who your relationship with them is based on certain presumptions, right? All people have predictable ways of behaving and our relationships with people whether it's with our wife or with our husband or with our children or with our parents or with our close friends is predicated on the fact that we know each other so I know how you're going to react you know how I'm going to react and there's a certain predictability in the involvement between two people what happens when one of the people changes radically it shakes up the relationship and it proves whether the relationship was at that moment you find out whether your love for that person was conditional or unconditional. If that person's behavior was so radically changed and as a consequence of that you can no longer have a relationship with them because they're not the same person, then the truth is you never had a relationship with that person. You had a relationship with that person's interests, with that person's commonality with you and when that changed, you lost the relationship. If on the other hand the person changes so radically and you still love them, you have to figure out how to behave, but if you continue to love them, that's a proof that even before your relationship with that person was it was an unconditional love, it was a real love. 
let's put it this way. The only justification for being angry at a relative of ours who leaves the Yiddishkeit, the only justification of ours to stop to talk to a relative who left Yiddishkeit, if there is a possibility that it will be beneficial. You can't be angry at them for leaving Yiddishkeit because you're hurt. That's very selfish. You have to be angry at them for leaving Yiddishkeit because you believe that by you being angry at them, like you have in Tanya chapter 29, it may wake them up. And of course, even worse than being angry is stopping to talk to them. The only justification to stop to talk to a person who leaves Yiddishkeit is if you believe that there's a real possibility that that's going to encourage them to come back. But if being angry with them or not talking with them is only going to exacerbate the situation, they're going to say, you see, I knew you never really loved me for who I am and so on and so forth then it's the wrong response, it's the wrong reaction. And let's be honest, let's be honest. The honest truth of the matter is that 100 years ago, and even 75 years ago, we did not have the tools with which to deal with this question. Yidin went away from Yiddishkeit then also, don't kid yourself. And in our minds, a person left Yiddishkeit, you know that they used to say in the old country, became Rachman al-Tanagoy. And th that was it. We cut him off with nothing. I mean, I've read stories about big Hasidim talking about their own children who left Yiddishkeit that there was no mercy. There was no mercy. But the Rebbe has changed all that. The Rebbe has changed our thinking. The Rebbe has changed our feeling. The Rebbe has changed our responses. And of course, the Rebbe comes from a variety of different angles. And all you have to do is read Tanya chapter 32, right? The most ideal angle is that when someone leaves Yiddishkeit and you continue to show them love and acceptance, Perhaps that alone will encourage them to at least come back to some extent to keep some mitzvahs. And then the Alter Rebbe says, It's a mitzvah, you have to love all from Jews like yourself. You have to love all Jews, period. So this is a question that on some level is very individual. And it's a very, very difficult question to address. I, I can't imagine being in that situation, and I'm afraid I would probably react incorrectly, which is, thank God, why Hashem doesn't give me this test. But the answer to the question of how do I react to a person who's left Yiddishkeit is not allowed to be based on me. It has to be based on them and the Eibishter. Does the Eibishter say I should stop talking to him? Does the Eibishter say I should hate him? Does the Eibishter say I should scream at him? And of course, the only way or possibility that the Abishtu would say that is that if the Yargi is Allah being angry with him or ignoring him, he's going to be made at him to tshuva. Otherwise, it's no, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not constructive. And I think that's the thought process that has to go in. I have a relative, someone quite close to me, a sibling, a child, a very good friend. So the likelihood of them going away from Yiddishkeit in one day is also kind of small. There probably was a lot of hints, a lot of writing on the wall which we failed to notice. But if we're going to be truthful to ourselves and correct, righteous in our response, the answer to the question is we need to respond based on what that person needs where they are, not what I feel. We don't help them by being angry with them. We help ourselves. We don't help them by stopping to talk to them. We somehow tell ourselves that that's a proof that we're very from and very righteous. Of course, there's a religious component. We're very heartbroken that this person left Yiddishkeit. And there's also a psychological component. We feel 
abandoned, we feel that this person is leaving Yiddishkeit to the lack of loyalty to me, to us. And it's, I think the critical point is you have to answer that question based on what that other person needs. And you know what? It's, it's not so easy. It's not always so easy. Um, I remember years ago I was in a situation with a relative of mine. And I went to a mashpia and I talked to him about this relative. And the mashpia said that I cannot do whatever negative thing I wish to do because I'm going to distance them from learning Hasidus. I was very angry at that mashpia because I felt... Uh, what's the word? Uh, righteously indignant. I felt justified in my anger. Mashpia said, that's not how you make this decision. You make this decision how it can help that person the most. And I think this is at least a kernel of the answer to the question. It's not a complete answer. It's a kernel of the answer to the question. Uh, you know, the stories with the Rebbe. And children will leave Yiddishkeit. The Rebbe would say to the parents, bring him into your home and keep him in your home and have no conditions. I know of a Yid complained to the Rebbe that his son was a teenager and a real, real obnoxious kid and he wanted to kick him out of the house. And the Rebbe said to him, If you're going to kick him out of your house, you're going to spend your entire life going to look for him. And you don't want to do that. You, you have to be the mature one. You have to be the grown-up. And you have to ask yourself what's best for this person, not what's best for me. And on that basis, answer that question. And of course, the whole idea that there's a tradition amongst Jews that a Rosh is a bad person you're not allowed to talk to and this is something which the Rebbe has not the Rebbe has put it like the Rebbe said it's in the last halachas of the last simonim of the last chilek and the whole shulchan aruch and we'll get to it when we're old the Rebbe wanted we should make of every year especially in our times in the world in which we live you know sometimes the tzaddikim turn out to be the shoyim and the shoyim turn out to be tzaddikim it's impossible to predict the world is so crazy, but the Makar is on yet Nenim. The Makar of every single Jew. And we have to hope that what the Alter Rebbe says in Ayyem Yem. Hob holt a yidin vatebish tadir holten. Zayim Makar of a yidin vatebish tadir Makar of Zayim. Tu ateva yidin vatebish tadir ateva tam, which means love another Jew and God will love you. Embrace another Jew and God will embrace you. Do a favor for another Jew and God will do a favor for you. This is a truism, always, and in this particular case, um, especially. But I would finish by saying that this is a, probably an individualized question if to consult a mashpia. When you consult a mashpia, you can't just come with your anger. You have to come with your love and with your humility and with your trepidation and ask the question honestly, you know, not say, listen, this is what I want to do, am I allowed to? This is what I want to do, but I know that that's an impulse. What's the right thing to do? And hopefully you'll get clarity and the right answer.